You're being recorded. <laughs> I hope that was the first thing it heard. I mean, it is for the recording, but not oh, for yeah. the live stream. Oh man, baseline is wet like Bootsy. That's a LD quote. That's a LD quote. Here, hell yeah! Oh, so, uh, 
What's up? I just want you all to see what has been happening to me. I tried to share it to one group. It says we limit how often you can do this. So if anybody can do me the solid of trying to promo this like I usually do, that would be fantastic. All right, so how's everybody doing tonight? Pretty good. How about you, bro? Found out I got freaking Lyme disease. Are you fucking serious? Dude. Hold on, I don't hear you. Somebody, I don't know if that's you, Rob, but... I went I went to the doctors and uh luckily I think I caught it in enough time. That's a good deal. So are are they able to like move forward with a treatment plan that can help you since you caught it quick? Yeah, they got me on antibiotics, and that's what... All right, well, um, we're going to get started in just a minute. I assume you guys can hear me. Uh, um, holy shit, is that Austin? I'm try reconnecting my mic, so that way my headphones jack in my mic is working properly. Uh, but Can, can you I'm hear Rob. us now, Rob? You guys can introduce yourself while I fix this. Holy fucking shit, is that Austin? Yeah, yes. he has graced us with his presence again. He has returned. Good to see you, bro. It's the second coming, right? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, if anybody's wondering who I am, my name's Don Hughes. Hi. Uh, I I normally do like a thing, a, a bit about like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos funding us, but I don't do that anymore. Sorry. <laughs> anyway it's all good hi i'm trisha i like to go on rants and my favorite activities include watching the downfall of capitalism and destroying the patriarchy <laughs> austin hi i'm austin i'm uh planning on running for congress in 2024 in pennsylvania's 16th district I just got over being very sick, very, very sick from the Lyme disease. So um, I'm here. Oh, shit. I'm glad you're back. And we, we were wondering what was wrong if you were okay over there. Um, yeah. It's good to see your face again, bro. I, I was sick for like a week and a half and my temperature was like 103 for about that whole time. Wow. Damn. Dude. Yeah. And then these You're... circles started peering on my body like, and my girlfriend was like, you better go get that checked. So I went and uh, 
found out I had Lyme disease. So they got me on antibiotics. I should be okay. So. Wow. Was it a recent tick bite or something? Yeah, it must have been from like uh, two to three weeks or like three weeks ago, actually. So right when I stopped doing everything, I mean, that's the time I guess. So. Man, that's fucking scary. I'm sorry. That's what you've been dealing with. Glad you're feeling better, though. Not running that fever. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I didn't know it. Amen to that. I got a COVID test and everything, you know, thinking maybe I had COVID or something. But no, it was uh, it was Lyme disease. And I was like, holy, you know, holy shit. Like, but yeah, I'm feeling oh, oh, oh. Lyme disease. Yeah. Bro, yeah, I, yeah. I have Lyme disease. Bro, um, there's, I'll I'll talk to you off the air about about some things. Um, okay. I got some uh, some friends that have Lyme disease that have had uh, good results from like Rick Simpson oil and stuff. Yeah, I had I heard I was looking it up and said some natural oils like really help with it. Yeah. Sorry, I was gone for so long, too. Oh, man. you're good, man. Now you got fucking hey. Lyme disease. Right, you're right. <laughs> Natalie, right. Said, uh, no. Natalie said healing energy sent to you and your family. Thank you, Natalie. God love So uh, today we're going to be dis- discussing the Black Panther Party. We'll be reading from Bobby Seale's book, Seize the Time, uh, the story of the Black Panther Party. And we're going to be discussing how they use dialectical materialism in their revolutionary work. Um, I like to point this out every time because it's just hilarious, but we thought originally that this was going to be one piece. We're now in part five. (laughs) Right. Like, there's so much to get into in this book. And the only real way to do it is to not skip over anything. Because if you do, you're going to miss something important that's incremental to the the building of the Black Panther Party and the impact they've been able to have on the world. Like, I love it. And dude, I, I know I, I told you this before. I'll tell you again. I love reading Bobby Seale, man. <laughs> Just the way he speaks about shit. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it is. I agree. Um, at this point, I'm sure you're all familiar familiar with our Patreon. Patreon.com slash many. Literally every dollar helps. Uh, you know, we're just we're just trying to pay the overhead and keep trucking along. But you know, if we get enough, we can we can really grow this thing. 
We're all over social media. Um, we're on Facebook for We Are Many, uh, YouTube for We Are Many Podcasts, Instagram for We Are Many Podcasts, Twitter at For We Are Many 2, and for We Are Many.org. Thank you for joining us today. Um, for those that are just getting involved, um, the link to the book is in the description. Um, uh, We're on page 81. Yes, the title of the section is The Death of Denzel Dowell. So while you're scrolling to page 81, I'm going to cut this music for a minute and we're going to we're going to listen to some words. Oh yeah. Eldridge Cleaver speaking at Sacramento State. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I want to thank those who are responsible for inviting me here today. And I want to thank oh my Mickey God. Mouse, Ronald Reagan. Uh, Donald Duck Rafferty. And Big Mama Unruh for making it possible. I'm pleased to be here in the pig pen of Sacramento today. This is the pig pen where the racists and the oppressors plot their genocide and their crimes against the people. Someone told me that uh, when Ronald Reagan entered the Capitol here, they changed the name of the Capitol to the Ferry Building. <laughs> I think that's very appropriate. I want to congratulate whoever that was that came up with that thought. And I have a special little word for Ronald Reagan in the morning. Fuck you, Ronnie Baby. I believe that Ronald Reagan is a punk, a sissy, and a coward, and I challenge him to a duel. I challenge the punk to a duel to the death, and he can choose his own weapons. Could be a, a gun, a knife, or a marshmallow. I'll beat him to death with a marshmallow. You know, I lived in this area for a number of years. Folsom Prison is about 20 miles from here, I understand. <laughs> and I had occasion, I had reason uh, to keep my eye on what was going on in Sacramento. The prison system, the adult authority, had this headquarters here in Sacramento, appropriately here in the pig pen. I know that my parole officer has his comrades here today, his agents here, same thing for Ron Regan, same thing for the adult authority, the same thing for all the wardens of all the prisons, all the pigs, the hogs who patrol the prisons. Fuck you, you dig it? 
feel it's necessary to say that when the racist shot Martin Luther King, the bullet that killed him killed nonviolence. And this only means that black people reach the point where they're saying no more, no more. If you shoot me, I'm shooting back. If you put your stick upside my head, I'm gonna put something upside your head that they send down to enforce the edicts, the laws, the rules and the regulations for this larger prison outside the walls of Folsom Prison. If it was not for the policeman with his gun, with his club, with his gas chamber ultimately backing all that up, who would have any terror? Who would have any respect for these vicious laws that are written on the books here in the pig pen of Sacramento? Ball-headed faggots in the legislature and the state senate all of their rules would be nothing but toilet paper if it were not for the fact that they have these racist Gestapo police forces to send in to brutalize the people and to force them to go along with those programs. But something has happened to change all of that. The Minister of Defense of the Black Panther Party, Brother Huey P. Newton, who has recently been railroaded through the courts of Alameda County, now in prison, that you wound the tender ears of the people, particularly uh, the Gentile, middle-class American white people. Well, I say this, that the term motherfucker is a legitimate term. Every father does that, but that's not the point. That's not the point, see? see? We, we could talk about you dirty mother intercourser. <laughs> People say that, but it doesn't. It doesn't have the impact. It doesn't have the punch that I did. See, but see, the term, the term has a history, and I think this needs to be understood. I don't think the black people need to be ashamed when they use the term motherfucker, because what that does, that refers to history. It means that black people have been subjected, because of the experience of slavery, to a matriarchal form of the family that in the family that we've had here, the mother became the central figure because the father was sold here, sold there, run here, run there, and oftentimes split because he couldn't deal with the shit. So the mother became the central figure. She became the object of veneration. So that the worst thing that a person could do was commit incest and have uh, sex or carnal knowledge of his own mother. So this is meant to be a profound put down and when a brother really wants to put his, another cat down, he inflicts that upon him and calls him a practitioner of incest. That's all, man. A dishonor, a dishonor of the head of the family. Uh, in your various ethnic divisions and around the world, because to control this capitalistic system, they were saying that what you do is alienate the moderate white people. But I noticed when they went to uh, Chicago to try to support their candidate, a man who had taken a courageous stand within certain limitations against the war in Vietnam, when they went to Chicago to support him, Mayor Daley taking his orders from Meathead Humphrey, you can't afford to talk to the members of your graduating class. So, 
Um, I just want to point out that the video that I played is directly from the Center for Sacramento History. I'm sure you noticed the little, like, when they, you know, cut. Like, for example, when they were talking about control of the capitalistic system and then it cut out a whole thing. I'd really like to see the full, the full speech, you know? I really wish that if they were going to put the effort in to like edit things, they would have edited edited out his use of um, the slur for um, the LGBTQ community that he used. Yeah, I won't disagree with that. That hit me as off, but I mean. I, I try to remember that it was yeah. Society was different. Things things yeah. were different. But Thank, thankfully, thankfully, things have progressed since then. Uh, anyway, we can uh, jump right into the book now. There we go. All right. The Black Panther Party was called to Richmond by the Dowell family. I know what's missing. I got this. There we go. I knew something was missing. <laughs> Do we have any comments? I haven't looked at that yet. I'm refreshing the page, and apparently that's going to take a sec. Uh, anyway, the Black Panther Party was called the Richmond by the Dowell family. They had heard of the Black Panther Party over in Oakland. Mark Comfort came down to the office at 56th and Grove and told us that the Dowell family would like us to come over because Denzel Dowell had been killed in Richmond by a Contra Costa County Deputy Sheriff. We went out there that day and saw the Dowell family. They began to explain all the details about how certain people had said they heard 10 shots and the papers and the local media there were saying that only two or three shots had been fired. And how the coroner's office had originally told them he was shot nine or 10 times, but the police department said he was only shot once or twice. How the pigs had lied about Denzel Dowell, the brother telling about how he was trying to burglarize someplace. His brothers, Carl and George Dowell, explained how the pigs knew Denzel by name because they had arrested him a number of times. The pigs had made threats that they were gonna get Denzel. He was just a, or it was just a cold-blooded killing of a black man. Some pigs were trigger happy and just wanted to shoot somebody. Shoot a They explained all this to us. Then Radio. the family. What? Oh, I was saying radio edit. Ah. <laughs> uh... Did you not hear my beep? I think we have a lag in the audio. <laughs> there is a little bit of lag in the audio. The beep takes like a half a second. Hmm. Okay. Uh, then the family took us over to the site where they killed Brother Denzel Dowell and showed us just where the bullets hit certain walls and directions they came from and how the pigs lied and said that he ran and jumped the fence. The blood was 20 yards away from the fence. They must have dragged his body over to the other side and then over another fence. The blood was in two different places. 
We were investigating and a lot of black people in the black community there came out. They had noticed us Panthers with our guns and everything. I guess there were 10 or 12 of us who went out there together and went through the whole process of investigation, looking over what had happened and listening to the information that people were giving that contradicted all the crap that the pigs in the newspapers had run down. And the people were looking. We were standing on the corner there in North Richmond. There were about 150 people around, some in cars, some standing across the street. Some of the younger brothers, 15, 16, some 20 years old, were asking us about the guns and we were explaining to them about the Black Panther Party. All of a sudden, some sister hollers out, uh-oh, here come the cops. When the sister hollered, he rejected a round off into the chamber of his 18-inch shotgun with a loud click and clack. When he did that, I unhitched the strap that held the hammer down on my 45 and it clacked too. People started moving back. Some of them went across the street, some got in their cars and drove up the street. Then the pigs came down and Huey stepped to the curb. I followed Huey and stepped to the curb a few feet down from him. The pigs were surprised all of a sudden. They looked and noticed he was ready and standing tall waiting for him. The pigs kept driving and drove right on off. In fact, they sped up and drove away. Then the people moved on back and some of them jumped around across the street figuring there was going to be a shootout, but we just stood tall ready to defend ourselves. We were educating the people that we would die here for them. This was the position we always took with Brother Huey P. Newton. We told the people there that we were going to have a rally that coming Saturday on the corner of 3rd and Chesley, right down the street. We'd said, we said we'd run down and educate them about that fact and we'd have to start using guns to defend ourselves because the racist big cops were coming to our community and murdering our brothers and sisters. Brother Denzel Dowell was killed and we found information about two or three other brothers who'd been shot up back in December in North Richmond. The brothers had been shot in the armpits, which clearly showed that they had their arms over their heads. Two brothers were killed in December, and around April 1st, Denzel Dowell was gunned down by those pigs. He told them that we were going to have a rally concerning this to tell the people it was necessary for us to arm ourselves for self-defense. We went forth to have this rally and got about 20 brothers together with their pieces and their uniforms. We had the rally right there on the corner of 3rd and Chesley. We got guns and a force to defend ourselves. Ain't no pigs gonna come down here and stop our street rally. We're gonna exercise our constitutional rights to free speech, and we're gonna have a rally right here on the corner. <coughs> Most of North Richmond doesn't have sidewalks at all, but for that section on the corner there in front of this liquor store, there's an eight to 10 foot sidewalk between the curb and the store. We got right out there on the corner and all the brothers out there in the community saw us with the guns. We lined up all along the streets. Imagine an intersection now. One corner, we put four or five brothers and they were spread out about 20, 30 feet from each other coming around the corner. Across the street, we put a brother on the corner and then two brothers down from him, 30 or 40 feet, uh, feet apart. Then on the corner where Huey and I were speaking, right there in front of the liquor store, we lined that corner going up east and west. Then we lined the other corner up as you go north and south. So the whole intersection was lined up with Panthers all up and down the corners going northeast, west, and south on both sides of the streets. And we had our guns, shotguns, pistols, and everything. The people began to line up and Brother Huey told me to go ahead and start blowing. So I started blowing to the brothers there, running down to them about the 10-point platform of the program, what kind of organization we had now, and the fact that Brother Denzel Dowell had been killed by some racist dog Gestapo pigs. And the fact that we must begin to unify and organize with guns and force that the Black Panther Party had come to North Richmond and that the Black Panther Party is there to serve the people. It's going to be a Black People's Party. 
I guess about two or three hundred people gathered around. In fact, people in cars just stop in the whole section on one side of the street with just a line of cars. On the other side, coming right up the intersection, there was another line of cars. Some cars were still moving by going on the other side of the street, driving up on the wrong side of the street. I was blown there and all of a sudden they start sending some sheriffs in. The people had noticed that we were there. We were there with our guns. We were back again. The pigs started driving down the streets, the sheriff's pigs. Uh, Huey whispered, he said, running down about the pigs, Bobby, about how we're gonna hold this street rally and we're gonna exercise our right to free speech. No pigs gonna stop it. And he said, tell them about the reason why no pig's gonna stop it. It's because we've got guns and force here to protect ourselves, to protect the people. So I ran it down to the brothers and pointed to the pigs and the pigs got nervous. I noticed one of the pigs stopped across the street and sat there and started listening. Four of the brothers came across the street and surrounded the pig car, standing about nine, 10 feet away from it. One brother had a 357 Magnum, Warren Tucker had a 38 pistol, and Reginald Forte had a nine millimeter. One brother didn't even have a gun and he got up there too. Then the pig got nervous. He started trying to light a cigarette, but the cigarette just fell out of his hand with all these people looking at him. The black people had guns in forests ready to deal with it and the pig couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't light a cigarette, he was so nervous. He was just up, or he just up that we organized. Um, I think the people respected the fact that Huey had all the brothers organized because he had them all stationed up and down the streets, covering the intersection, guarding the lives of the black people while we went forth to organize the people. They respected this organization that Huey put down. Huey put down a form, a discipline, but the gun was for our protection and not for bull jive. So the pig had to split. Another pig was sitting there. This other pig came up in a car and uh, some of the people's cars moved along, but one man said, well, I ain't moving my car. I'm gonna sit here and listen. And this cop got caught in between the cars and he couldn't move and he had to sit there and listen to everything. He couldn't do nothing. And that brother didn't move his car. He had a Cadillac too. And he, uh, he and his woman were sitting in the Cadillac, sitting right at the head of the intersection. So this pig's car was right in between and he couldn't move. He just had to sit there and listen and look at 300. That's right. He had to look at 300 mad, mad at the pigs for killing Denzel Dowell. And 20 Panthers out there armed with guns, disciplined, standing 30 or 40 feet apart on every corner of the intersection. So it was tied down. The people dug it and they said right on. And here we went on and flew to the brothers and sisters and told them how we're gonna get organized and how we're gonna start using guns and force in an organized and disciplined manner. In a very revolutionary manner, we're gonna go forth and we're gonna defend ourselves against any racist attacks. We're gonna patrol these pigs. We're gonna patrol our own communities even the old people are gonna have to patrol from their homes and houses. And everybody has to have a shotgun in their home, everybody. Then George Dowell uh, blew about how his brother Denzel had been murdered by the pigs. We said we were gonna have another meeting over on 2nd Street. Huey said we're gonna block the whole street off. Ain't no pigs gonna be allowed up the street at all. Man. Like, again, just to put this in the historical context of where in history we're talking about, Right. Well, I mean, we just heard Eldridge Cleaver say that, you know, when when they killed MLK, right, that the the, the call for nonviolence had died with him and that the black community needed to, needed to defend itself. And this is showing just how much that resonated with the black community at that time. Um, and think about the balls that it took to 
to do this. Think about what the response would be today to this. And then we realized right, that today we you'd see a militarized police response. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just spells out, you know, how far we really still have to go. Right. In other words, all the way because we haven't really gotten anywhere. I I watched the NFAC do their marches and I don't think anybody messed with them there. The not not fucking around coalition. Never heard of it, but I, I dig the name. No, it, right. they're, uh, they were, they marched for Breonna Taylor. They were in, uh, like, they had bulletproof vests, and all of them had uh, rifles and sidearms. And there was probably a good 100, 150 of them marching down the streets for her. Nice. Um, I was the other day. I was listening to a Rev Left Radio episode about the Huey P. Newton Gun Club, and uh, well, I mean, Austin. I know this is your first time joining in on one of these. I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to the last four segments in this, but Huey P. Newton quite possibly could be the baddest motherfucker to ever walk there. There's no quite possibly about it. <laughs> Huey P. Newton was the baddest motherfucker to walk the earth. Okay. Okay. Well said. Up, he, up there with Sun Tzu and Miyamoto Musashi. Mm. Nice. Does anybody want to read the next few uh, paragraphs while I go grab a bottle of water? I'm going to make a um, an executive decision on this and say that Austin gets two. <laughs> <laughs> or Trisha. I, I, I just I I've been doing it the last time. The last couple of times. I, I don't have access to it right now. Ah fuck. Well damn. Well damn. Okay. Um well, I don't know if you noticed my connection has cut out a few times, so I apologize. I'll I'll get it. I'll get it. Again. Hold on, let me just I can, open it back up. I'll get I it. Sounds just Rob. like God damn it. <laughs> Rob, just let me know what page we're on. Uh, 83, the very last paragraph. Very last paragraph, 83. Heard. I, I jumped in. I was excited. You guys were on. So I was like, shit, might as well join them. Well, I mean, I'm Hell excited yeah. to see you. Oh, James is late, but he's here. What's up, James? Are you talking about the one that starts with the people dug it or the one that says another pig? At the second Richmond rally. Ah, okay. Okay. That uh, Austin, James said, uh, well, yeah, you're right. Austin, James said, Austin, long time no howdy. <laughs> I've been sick. I've been sick. Yeah. Sorry. Howdy, James. Ah, uh, man. I'm, uh, I'm glad you guys are here, though. Natalie and James are like, they're here as much as we are, literally. Hardcore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> one of these days, we, we need that. to get one or both of them on here. <laughs> right? For fucking sure. I'm sorry. Anyway, go ahead. Go You're ahead. You're okay. You're okay. Go get your water. 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 
It's got to be a hot commodity in the desert. At the second Richmond rally, three or 400 people came up. They drove their cars all inside the street, and the brothers got on top of the cars, on top of the roofs, all up and down the street from the corner, from one corner to the next, and it was... And it was a pretty long block. The whole street was cluttered with cars. We were at one particular address where I think some relative of George Dowell lived. It was right around the corner of George Dowell's mother's home. All the people came around and we had applications there for people to join the party. I guess just about everybody out there joined the party that day. From little young 14 year olds and 12 year olds. It seems like a weird place to end that sentence. Anyway, um, we blocked the whole street off. Brother Huey blew. I blew. Brother Eldridge Cleaver came over and he blew to the people. And the people dug it. And the people filled out the applications. One incident happened there. I noticed that one of the brothers moved some four or five guns to one of the corners. We were in the center of the block. Some more of the extra brothers had been moved down to one of the corners. Sorry guys, dyslexia. Uh, The corner on the north end, the brother explained to me, I was blown at the time, that one of the pigs had uh, come up at the corner down there. So the brothers blocked the street off. One of the the pigs was sitting there. So a couple of brothers went over there, went over to a vacant lot and stood there with their M1s and 30-06s looking at the pig's car. They couldn't have been 30 or 40 yards from the pigs. Stood staring right into the pig's car. And the pigs looked around, and one of them saw another brother walk up near his car and stand there almost like at parade rest. But with ju- but with his hand just a few inches from his 357 Magnum. And the pig looked at him when he got up there. Then he looked at his partner and he said that's the 357 magnum he's got when he said that the pig turned his engine on and got out of there and did not come back (laughs) 357 magnum will blow the engine block out of the car just if anybody's wondering (laughs) yeah that'll that'll stop a car (laughs) then a helicopter came around We blocked off the whole street, held a people's rally with power, gun power. Gun power is the only thing that backed it up. So all they could do was send a helicopter over, flap, flap, flapping all day long (laughs) to try to bother us. God, I know what that's like. This time it wasn't only the Black Panthers who came, but other people came there with their rifles, with their guns, with their pieces. I noticed some older brothers came out and they were shaking hands with a lot of us. They had their pieces under their shirts. They just carried them concealed. And some sisters, one sister came up or came out and jumped out of her car with an M1. (laughs) We saw the black community. Fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Saw the black community people getting up tight and ready. And the helicopter kept flapping over. And Huey pointed out, pointed up at the helicopter as it was going over and said, Always remember, the spirit of the people is greater than the man's technology. And the people said, right on. Rob's back. I remember we got over 300 applications. 
Uh, sorry, guys. Brain's got to. Oh, you're good. Catch up to my mouth. The uh, the community people got together, and George Dowell's sisters and brothers and friends got together and began to have a regular session. And everyone would come to the meeting with the people in North Richmond. The brothers had their guns on. They were tired, sick, and tired, and they loved Brother Huey. They thought Brother Huey was out of sight. He was a beautiful leader, and Huey began to instruct them on many things, on many ways they can go about dealing with real problems. One of the sisters brought up the problem at one of the nightly sessions that one of these school teachers beat up and slapped down a couple of black kids in school. She wanted the Panthers, the Black Panther Party, to go to the school. And she was gonna get a lot of mothers and parents to go to the junior high school where her kids went. We all got together and scheduled it for that Monday. On Monday, we took three carloads of Panthers down to the school. All of them were armed down to the gills. We got out of our cars with our guns and stood on the sidewalk. Right at the sidewalk, there's a fence to the schoolyard. <clears throat> all the little black kids ran over to the fence, and all the little white kids ran away from the fence and went and hid somewhere inside the school. Then the mothers came driving up. They went inside the school building to patrol the halls of the school. They patrolled the halls of the, the halls during lunch period and went and told the principal that they didn't want any more brutality upon their kids in the schools. We're concerned citizens, and we'll whip your ass and anyone else's that we hear of slapping our children around. Fuck yeah. Don't fuck with Mama Bear. After about 20 minutes, while the uh, mothers were patrolling the halls, the pigs drove up. This little, young, rookie drive pig trying to look mean and thinking he was bad or something walked up to the car. The brothers were sitting there in the car looking back at him because Huey had trained his brothers don't be moving in a rash manner. And they got shotguns, four motherfuckers, M1, uh, M1s. He looks in the car and sees all these pieces and moves back in a hurry. He got all nervous, like, what, what, what are the guns for? What are the guns for? And Huey said, we're the Black Panther Party, why? Uh, duh, 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 do you have any license? Do you have a driver's license? And Huey gave him his license. Well, you're Huey P. Newton, Minister of Defense, Huey P. Newton of the Black Panther Party, and the pig is just shaking. He didn't know what to do, so he gave Huey his license back and went and got on his radio and called up another pig. They're kind of hung off, away from us, looking and, uh, looking and not knowing what to do. Shook, because there's too many and too many guns down there for them. They called up another car and the principal of the school come out, tried to talk to the pigs. Their cars were parked a little way out in front of the sidewalk that leads to the door of the school, about 30, 40 yards or so behind ours. All they could do is sit there and wonder. That's all they did was sit there and wonder. We went there with the mothers and they patrolled the halls for lunch period and then we... Oh shit. <laughs> My bad. And then we left. About four or five days later, we got a call at the Panther office. There was a session going on up in the 6th Street office in Richmond concerning the fact that the DA of the county had better do something and better charge these cops who killed Denzel Dowell. Me and Brother Huey and a number of other brothers all got together and walked off into the meeting there with our guns. The DA was sitting there and he looked up and saw Huey. He saw Huey with that big shotgun. Uh, the pig could see that Huey's shotgun carried a whole lot of rounds. And uh, Huey had a bandolier holding 26 shotgun shells across his chest. Huey had double up buckshot and the pig was definitely checking Huey out. Huey was decked out in the Panther uniform and he simply walked in and sat down. And he and the brothers and the sisters who were there talked about this pig, this DA, 
uh, talked about him like he was nothing, running it down about how rotten he is and he's trying to give off some verbal sincerity. The people saw Huey and they felt there was no time for them to be taking shit because here's a man that we respect, here's a leader. He's armed down to the gills and he's articulate and he knows what he's talking about. They were ready to jump over there and snatch this DA's throat out concerning this whole situation and how Denzel Dowell was killed. We blew the dude away and told him it wasn't doing anything, wasn't serving the people, that he was driving, that he was a swine, and that he wasn't intending to do anything for the people, etc. But he came up and started talking about, why don't you go to the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Department up in Martinez, and if you go to the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Department up in Martinez, maybe you can get results there. So the people said, all right, we're going to go down to the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Department up in Martinez. The mother and father and the Dowell family wanted us to go to Martinez, and since we're a people's party, we generally go along with what the people want to do to serve them. Especially if we think it will help them to raise their interest in unity and get support and try to begin to attempt to change the system. So we said, yeah, we'll go to Martinez. But the brothers and sisters here, we're concerned about this here. The Panthers will definitely be there. Yeah, you know, like, at least when the Panthers say they're going to do something, they fucking do it. Right. I'm looking at you, everybody in Washington, D.C. <laughs> oh, I can't tell you how much I wish this was a current event stream so we could talk about fucking how, uh, <laughs> how Sleepy Joe was with uh, Big Bad Laddie Putin. With, with Putin... Yeah. I mean, I do kind of want to touch on it a little bit. Guys, do you think he actually knows what's going on? Like, it reminds I, me of Sundowner Syndrome so much. Man, I don't even know. I don't even know. But, like, he was going on about, like, well, what, how do you think the reaction would be if America meddled in international elections or meddled in other countries' elections directly and everybody knew about it? Bro. All I can think is like, what the fuck, dude? It's like, bro, what? we just stabilized <laughs> Libya. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like that's just one prime example. <laughs> like that, that, using the word "if," it's fucking conical. There's Seriously, two Libyas now. We There's, do. Can can we talk about that? There's an East and West Libya. I mean, is it like North and South Korea? Like one's communist and one's not, or is it? No, just no, like... they just they just don't get along, and because Gaddafi's not there to keep them motherfuckers in line. Well, right. I mean, he might that's, he might have been a another whole who whole had to... great great fashion sense, but at least he kept people in line, right? Well, I mean, to be fair, shitbag things aside, the reason why our government fucking killed him is because he was actually um, divesting from the World Bank and starting their own currency that was actually backed by gold, and his country was doing well because of it. They were in the process of eliminating the poverty that's caused by capitalistic shit, by the control of money by the World Bank. And well, we lost you. Oh, uh, oh, that. 
World Bank bad. World Bank bad. IMF bad. IMF bad. Lost my connect again. But yeah, World Bank bad. World Bank kill you if you not stay in World Bank. God, that hurts my brain to even talk that stupidly, but it's true. It's very true. But <laughs> we have literally performed coups on all kinds of people for all kinds of reasons. The biggest one being money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one day, I think that we should just like you know compile a list of like interventions <laughs> by the United States government and do a whole piece on it. But yeah. Anyway, um, somebody called the sheriff's department. Don't mind me dancing the... over here. Oh, you're good. Somebody called the sheriff's department from the meeting. I'm loving the music. We were coming up, and that the people wanted to come up and speak to them. The district attorney had to back it up. I think the people put so much pressure on him that he made the appointment for them within the next two or three days. They made him make the appointment right there at the meeting. They wouldn't let him get out of there until he made the appointment. That's what it was. He saw all those guns in the people's power. He saw that the people were ready for Huey to use this gun on him, knowing Huey, he'll defend the people. We loaded up in our cars, the community people of North Richmond and the Black Panther officers and members, and we headed for Martinez. A couple of carloads of brothers and three or four carloads of community people. We went to the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Department. When we got there, they had sheriffs standing all down the doorways and sheriffs all around. The brothers drove up and the first six brothers got out. I think there were three shotguns, two or three M1s, and one brother with a pistol. I drove around the block, but Huey got out. The sheriff's car came out directly across the street right at the corner. The pig jumped out of the car, took this key out, and unlocked that thing and, uh, that holds the shotgun in it. He got his shotgun out and jacked a round off into the chamber of the shotgun. When he did that, Huey just stopped and looked at him, and the brothers were kind of in line right behind him doing the same thing that he, Huey was doing, looking at the pig. As soon as the pig jacked that round off, Huey jacked one off, and the brother next to Huey jacked one off, and another brother jacked one off, and another, and the only sound the pig heard was clack, 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 clap, cluck, clack, cup, clack, cup, is the word that he used, but I think just, you know, a bunch of clacks would have been sufficient. Right down the line. Uh, the sheriff looked at these panthers jacking rounds off. That's still such a weird phrase to me. Took his shotgun, ejected his round right out of the chamber, locked his shotgun back up, got back in his car and drove away. That was that was the baddest set on the scene. I don't know who he thought he was. Those other sheriffs standing at the door were amazed and surprised because Huey turned right around and turned on them, walked up to the door. And they said, you can't go in with a gun. And Huey said, what do you mean you can't go in with a gun? This is public property. This is the people's property. We have a constitutional right to carry guns. And anywhere on public property, anybody can carry a gun. So we're going in there with some guns. If you go in, we're gonna arrest you. So he said, okay, I'll tell you what we're gonna do. We'll take one brother who's gonna volunteer to go in and take the arrest because we're gonna make a test case out of this. Huey knew the law very well, knew that they couldn't charge anyone with coming onto public property with guns because public property is paid for by the people's taxes. And since we have a right to guns, a constitutional right, they can't charge anybody. Brother Reg Reginald Forte said, here I am, brother. He jumped forward. And I see he jumped forward to go in with the gun. The pigs all blocked up, about six of them. We were about 12 or 13 feet from the door inside the building. 
Reginald was getting ready to go into the elevator and Thick said, no, you can't go in, no guns upstairs. Reginald Forte started saying, all right, now look, let me go in, I'm going, I'm ready to go in. As Reginald Forte attempted to go in the elevator, six pigs stood shoulder to shoulder, holding themselves against him. Reginald had a shotgun with him. He walked right up to them and bumped right up into him. The pigs wouldn't move. Reginald said, let me go in. He walked away and said, what's the matter? Then he walked right back, right up to them again, bumped into him again and said, will you get out of the way so I can go through the, uh, so I can go through the elevator? What are you doing blocking the passageway where people go through and bumped into him again and the pigs are just standing there then reginald forte moved to go up the stairs about five feet to the side he moved to go up the stairs and some more pigs were bunched up there together he bumped up into them and said hey what's the matter get out of the way so i can go in they just held tight wouldn't let anybody go by another pig came up and i think he said he was a detective of the martinez city police and if you need somebody to protect your rights, etc., he was talking to Huey. Well, if you need somebody to protect your rights, well, the police department, the sheriff's department will protect your rights. And Huey P. Newton said, we don't need racist dogs who murder and brutalize us to try and protect us because you know, or because we know that you're brutal murderers. Get away from me. I can protect my own rights because I have my own gun. At this point, Huey got to arguing with him, and one of the pigs stepped on Huey's feet, and Huey pushed him off and said, get off my feet, who do you think you are? Then this little jive who told us I can protect your rights all of a sudden, well, all of a sudden said, well, I think that all these people are disturbing the peace, that's what they're doing, so we're gonna have to place somebody under arrest. Huey got to tell, uh, telling him about, you're disturbing the peace, and Reggie was over there bumping into these pigs, driving his body into them, saying, move so I can go up with a shotgun in his hand. Obviously, they weren't going to let anybody go up, so I called Huey back and I said, all right, Huey, come on. Let's go back in the car. Let's put the guns up and go up here for these people because the people want do want us upstairs. And the sister there is explaining that she wants us to go upstairs. I think she wanted us to ball the head sheriff out. So we went back and locked all our guns in the car and went to the brothers and sisters upstairs. We left, brother, or we left one brother outside to guard the guns. We got upstairs and me and brother Huey and brother Eldridge all sat there listening to this fool, one of those hog of hogs with his fat belly hanging out over his belt, talking about how he cannot do anything for us, that he does not make the laws, and the best that we could do was go to Sacramento to the legislature where the laws are made. He kept trying to pass off some verbal sincerity, trying to double talk somebody. Brother Eldridge Cleaver got up and explained. He said, look, brothers and sisters, this dog, this swine here ain't gonna do nothing for us. The swine is double talking and jiving. We don't, or we know he don't care about us, so why don't we all just walk out on this side? Everybody was disgusted and pissed off after this pig talked about going to the legislature and all this kind of double talking, all this kind of double talking crap. So we got up and walked out of the building and went back home. We went back out and laid out the first Black Panther Black Community News Service paper. It was two sheets of legalized mimeographed paper printed on both sides. The headline was, Why Was Denzel Dowell Killed? We printed about five or 6,000 of those papers and took all the Panthers and went out to the black community in North Richmond. We got to passing the papers out and giving them to people and children were following about 100 to 150 kids on bikes. And some of them walking down the streets following the Panthers, walking all throughout the community, block to block, passing out leaflets. We gave a lot to the kids and told them 
to put him on all the doorsteps. You know, like that, like passing out that propaganda, right? Like that really reminds me of Shadi during Occupy Flint. Do you remember how long and how hard he pushed to have us literally, you know, like walk through the hood with the megaphone, which we eventually did do for that matter. But do you remember how hard he pushed for that? I'm assuming Trish is not here. Trish is muted. Oh. My bad. I'm sitting here responding to you not realize my shit was still <laughs> muted. Um, but yeah, he pushed for that a lot because he wanted to actually engage the community in order to get something done instead of just talking about shit. Yeah. Yeah. And now I know exactly where that came from. At least that influence came from me, whether or not that's directly how I got to him, which it probably is. But never know. Um, no, that puts a whole lot. I mean, I, I saw the effect that it had going out there with him and Socrates and Emmett. I think that was the whole group that went the one day. But um, like, I, I mean, people were a lot more interested than they were at the camp. I mean, at the camp, they, you know, they're talking to the same few people that they see every time. And, you know, like they can find out what the movement is about, but they're not really finding out like what can be done. But like going out into the community, we were able to like see the issues that the people in the community see as issues, you know, things to unite the community around and that's fucking important. Yeah. Hell, uh, Shadid was the only person to actually step up and take some action to try to help the people in those apartments that were being left without running water, um, without certain, you know, appliances function. Like the the people who ran that place were fucking slumlords and straight up abusing everyone that lived there. So, you know, that was another thing that he dove right into. Like, fuck no, you know, this is a human rights issue and you don't get to pretend that it's not just because you don't like. Yeah. I wonder how Shadid's doing. I haven't seen him in quite some time or talked to him in quite some time. Uh, so there's some comments that I missed a few minutes ago. Natalie said, Trish, I think you're on the spot with the World, uh, the World Bank. Um, just um, the biggest influences that I've seen as far as who's go. So, I am going to divert to, I know this is not a current event stream, but there is something that I want to show you guys. So, that's not the one that I wanted. Maybe they're not live now, but, um, and... St. Paul, they were marching on the governor's mansion today. I'm gonna go ahead and, there we go. They were marching on the governor's mansion today um, to celebrate Juneteenth. 
Um, there's a list of organizations that were hosting it on your screen right now. Diversity, equity, and inclusion at Middle, uh, Mitchell Hamline School of Law, Communities United Against Police Brutality, Justice for Marcus Golden, Racial Justice Network, St. Paul for Justice, Justice for Cordell Handy, Black Lives Matter Twin Cities Metro, the Black Independent Candidate, Black Lives Matter Minnesota, and Black St. Paul. Uh, this coverage is coming to us from eGirl Vanguard Media. You can find them. Their Patreon is right here, patreon.com slash eGirlMedia. And uh, eGirl Vanguard Media is the name of their Facebook page. I cannot thank you enough um, for showing but I just up, wanted for supporting, and for remind being everybody, I suppose, that uh, Juneteenth is two days away. A lot of communities are already celebrating that. I believe that that Jubilee in St. Paul is supposed to take place. I believe they have events from now until, you know, Juneteenth itself. Um, but I think that the modern black liberation struggle is still very much tied to the Black Panthers. So I just wanted to show an example of that fight still going on today. Oh yeah. Sorry, I'm just trying to fill the uh, the blank space in the audio here. Oh, you're good. You're you're staring at the screen. It's freaking me out. Yeah. I, well, I'm reopening the. Oh, I gotta mute that. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. It's just giving you shit. There we go. Okay. So. Uh... Let me uh, get this music going again. And then set, there we go, okay. Back to the book. <clears throat> One young brother drove up on his bicycle. I guess he hadn't seen the headlines on the paper because he said, how much will you pay me if I go and distribute all of them to the to, to the doors. Is them other kids getting paid? And Huey said, no, none of them other kids are getting paid, young brother. You see who's on the front page of this paper? And he looked and he saw Denzel Dowell's picture. He had a paper route and he was getting ready to do his route. The little boy looked at Huey and looked at Huey's gun and looked at Denzel Dowell and he said, brother. He was very hurt. He said, don't pay me nothing. I ain't even going to do my route. I'm just going to distribute these to every door. And he just snatched up a bundle of them and you could see him going down the street trying to give everybody one because the brother was remembered. The examiner came down to the Panther headquarters and did an inter interview on a Tuesday. They said they were gonna print it on a Saturday. That uh, Saturday evening, the headlines hit about the existence of the Black Panther Party who patrolled cops in the black community. They wrote it all backwards. They said we were anti-white and we were black racists. So time out, is that where our parents' generations got this narrative from is from the fucking examiner. Sounds like it. Like, gee, if they start a, a lie of a rumor and repeat it enough times, it must be fucking true, right? No. Uh, it's sad the influence there. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I know that. I guarantee you that all four of us have heard that narrative, right? Like, I mean, that's what uh-huh. we're in fucking school. And it's the furthest fucking thing from the truth. That's why I'm really glad that we decided to read this book, frankly. Same. Yeah, same here. Um, after that, Huey began talking about how we needed to go straight up in front of some city hall as we did Martinez and talk to the people and hold a rally there so we could get a message over to the mass of the people. And the mass media would come along and cover it. We saw another article in the paper about the Black Panther Party about three or four weeks later. We all read the papers and realized the news of the existence of the Black Panther Party was being widely distributed, especially in the Bay Area. One Monday morning, Huey called me up and said, Bobby, come over to the house right now, or right quick. Sorry. I went over to the house. Huey showed me the papers. He said, look here, Mulford is up in the legislature now trying to get a bill passed against us. We don't care about laws anyway, because the laws they, they make don't serve us at all. He's probably making a law to serve the power structure. He's trying to get some kind of law passed against us. He said, I've been thinking, remember when I told you we had to go in front of a city hall, in front of a jail or something like we did in Martinez to get more publicity so we can get a message over to the people? This was Huey's chief concern, getting the message over to the people. So Huey says, you know what we're going to do? What? We're going to the Capitol. I said, the Capitol? And he says, yeah, we're going to the Capitol. And I said, for what? Mulford's there and they're trying to pass a law against our guns. And we're going to the Capitol steps. We're going to take the best Panthers we got. And we're going to the Capitol steps with our guns and our forces loaded down to the gills. And we're going to read a message to the world because all the press is going to be up there. Press is always up there. They'll listen to the message and they'll probably blast it all across the country. I mean, I know they'll blast it all the way across California. You've got to get a message over to the people. <clears throat> Huey understood a revolutionary culture, and Huey understood how our arms and guns become a part of the culture of the people in the revolutionary struggle. And he knew that the best way to do it was to go forth and those hungry newspaper reporters who are shocked, who are going to be shook up, are going to be blasting that news faster than they could be stopped. I said, all right, brother, right on, I'm with you. We're going to the Capitol. So we called a meeting that night before going up to the Capitol to write the first executive mandate for the Black, Man- uh, for the Black Panther Party. Huey was going to write executive mandate number one. This executive mandate was the first major message to all the American people and all the black people in particular in this country who are living in the confines of this decadent system. Eldridge and Huey and all of us sat down and it didn't take us long. We weren't jiving no time at all, not like some of the intellectuals and punks that have to take 10 days before they can write an executive mandate mandate to put things together. I don't think it was even 15 minutes before we whipped that executive mandate uh, out, looked it over and Eldridge corrected it, got things together. The executive mandate was the, uh, was to be the first message, the first major message made by the Black Panther Party coming from Mi- Minister of Defense, Huey P. Newton. Huey told me to organize the brothers, tell them to get their guns, and we'll be at the office tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. We're going to leave at 10 o'clock. We're going to leave at 10 o'clock sharp. Let me say something real quick. Yeah. There's a comment. Emily said, man... This beeping music is distracting, and I felt that. But that song's over now, so that's fine. Also, Irma really is. Hurry, Marie. Dude, yeah, that's why I was like tripping over myself there, fucking trying to read that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was rough. 
Yeah. At first, I thought it was Especially my phone. the electronic sound. Little, little leaks. Like. <laughs> who, the <laughs> <fuck> is, <laughs> who the fuck is messaging me? Ah, I can say fuck faster than you can hit that fucking button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you can, Don. Emily said Ermagerd. Ermagerd. Ermery. So, uh, the next chapter is called Picking Up the Guns. Who wants to, uh, who wants to read some of this one? The section is called With Guns in the State Capitol. That beep came so late. Like, after you said with guns. Really? <laughs> yeah, there's a huge lag. <laughs> Poor K. Brothers with guns in the state capitol. <clears throat> On May 2nd, 1967, we went across the bridge to Sac Sacramento with a caravan of cars. We wound up right in front of the capitol building. There were about 30 brothers and sisters, six sisters, and 24 brothers. 20 of the brothers were armed. Huey P. Newton was not with us. The brothers felt we could not risk Huey getting shot or anything. So we, we voted that he would stay behind in Oakland. We voted wow. Huey down and wouldn't let him come. Dude. Democratic centralism Dude. in work right there. Because you first... know damn well that right. Huey was kicking and screaming that whole fucking time. When I first drove up, I didn't know where the steps were. The Capitol look, looked about a block or so away from me. I didn't know whether this was the right place or not because we were specifically looking for the assembly of the state of California. The reason I didn't know is because of an old thing they'd taught me in school about the Capitol in Washington, D.C. The dome, a round dome, you know. It was supposed to be the omnipotent area, as Brother Eldridge Cleaver puts it. It's the top, and it was supposed to be made holy shit i am so sorry guys it's the top and it was supposed to be made up of two houses so i assumed it was the same as washington dc i didn't know if i was going to the right place or not but i said look there's some cameraman up there he said there's always cameramen up around these places so i thought this is probably it the other brothers had parked their cars and had come back around to where we were we got out of the car and got all our guns out. You know, we always follow the laws. As soon as the brothers got out of the car, they were putting rounds in the chambers because Huey and I had researched those laws in the past. We had to follow the law to the letter. There was a fish and game code law that you uh, couldn't have a loaded shotgun or rifle in the car. That didn't refer to a pistol, but to a shotgun or a rifle. The loaded rifle or shotgun meant no unexpended cartridge in the chamber. The law also read that unexpended cartridges in the magazine do not constitute a loaded gun. That is, bullets that haven't been fired do not constitute a loaded gun, even if they are in the magazine. But if there is an unexpended cartridge or bullet inside the chamber of a rifle or shotgun, 
that it is considered loaded. Brothers got out of the car, and you could see brothers just jacking rounds off in the chambers. A lot of people were looking, and a lot of white people were shocked <coughs> looking at us. I know what they were saying. Who the hell do these radio edit? <laughs> I read that all wrong. Who the who in the hell are these people with these guns? Who in the hell are those people with these guns? What are they doing? Except he didn't say people. One or two white people, they probably pissed it off. Or passed it off. God, I'm so fucking bad at this. Why do you guys make me do this? Austin, you, you get an excuse. <laughs> Actually, you both get excuses, I guess. Um, one or two white people, they probably passed it off. Oh, this is just a gun club. And this is where Bob Dylan gets down on Mr. Jones. What? <laughs> you don't know what's going on. Because this was getting to be a colossal event, and those people did not know what the hell was going on. Some of them did look at us like we were a gun club, but a lot of them only had questions on on their faces of, what in the hell are these damn people doing with these goddamn rifles? They actually stopped and looked at us and stood there around the Capitol, and stared up from the grass and looked at us. I didn't pay a damn bit of attention to them because we knew our constitutional rights and all that stuff about the rights of citizens to have guns. The Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. No police or militia force can infringe upon that right. It states that specifically. Anyway, all the brothers got up and I said, all right, brothers, let's roll. We started walking and moving. We didn't walk in military form. We just moved. We all, we were scattered all across the sidewalk. We're not in any rank. We held our guns straight up because Huey had taught us not to point a gun at anyone. Not only was it unsafe, but there was a law against just the pointing of a gun. Rob, take over. Tag back in. Hold on. I gotta find myself because uh, I accidentally just scrolled down. That's all to, good. Trying to unmute myself. It's all good. I'll, I'll take it, and if I cut out, I cut out. Apologies. Okay. okay. So all the brothers had that stuff down. They all had their guns pointed straight up in the air, pointed straight down to the ground as they carried them. We were walking up the sidewalk. I remember a brother in the background saying, look at Reagan run. I thought that he was just referring to something symbolic, but I did find out later on, after all this shit was over, that Reagan was over there with a bunch of kids. We'd walked up along this long, 20-foot wide sidewalk leading up the first steps of the Capitol, and one of the dudes said, look at Reagan run. Now this is very important because we found out later that Reagan had had with him 200 future youth, future leaders, they call him. He was speaking to them on the lawn of the Capitol. I was looking straight up at the front of the Capitol building and I saw a couple of cameramen running up around there. 
I found out later that Reagan had righteously spotted us. One of his brothers saw Reagan turn around and start trotting away from the whole scene because here come all these hard-faced brothers. These brothers were off the block, righteous brothers off the block, from what they called the nitty-gritty and the grassroots. You could look at their faces and see the turmoil that they've lived through. Their ages ranged anywhere from 16, which is about the youngest we had there, that was Bobby Hutton, all the way down to myself, 31. I guess I was about the oldest. We righteously walked up on the first stairs, and then we walked up on up to the next stairs. Bobby Hutton was on my right side, and Warren Tucker was on my left side. Bobby Hutton had a 12-gauge shotgun, and Warren Tucker had a 357 Magnum. We walked all the way up, and they stayed right next to me. We got to the stairs. Now, personally, I do not remember re reading executive mandate number one on the stairs as I was ordered to do. I don't remember reading it there, but the brothers told me and everybody told me that I did in fact read it. <laughs> I'm on the stairs and I'm trying to make up my mind about what's going on. Wasn't any long process by which I had to make up my mind. Huey's emphasis on going into the Capitol was based on the fact that there might be a string of National Guards and policemen there in case they found out we were coming. I heard the security guards over there talking to two brothers when I glanced over there a second time and I heard him say, you aren't violating anything with your gun. So if you want to, you can go inside. And that made my mind up for me. But I also made up my mind in another context too, that I personally wanted to see the area where a citizen has the right to observe the legislature. I read in the paper that Mulford was an assemblyman from the 16th assembly district in Oakland. So it was the assembly that I wanted to see. I waved to all the brothers. I said, all right, brothers, come on. We're going in here. We're going inside. The brothers were scattered all out in front of the Capitol. One of the cameramen walked up to me and said, are you going inside the Capitol? I said, yeah, we're going inside. And I snatched the door open and me and Bobby Hutton and the rest of the brothers walked through that door. Warren Tucker was on my left and another brother, Bobby Hutton, with his 12-gauge shotgun was on my right. We walked off into the lobby area. All around to my right, to my left, everywhere, there were people, predominantly white people, who looked shocked. Man, they were shocked. As we began to walk, I noticed one thing. They moved and step aside, and I saw some of their mouths hanging open, just looking. And they were saying with their eyes and their faces and expressions, who in the hell are these with these guns? And some of them were saying, people with guns, people with guns. Except not people. And I pointed those out as enemies because they were confused. I saw three or four faces that really caught what was going on. They must have been in the assembly and heard Mulford talking about us because they frowned their faces up and looked at us like a bunch of pig racists. Like I've seen racist pigs look at me and Huey like they all wanted to kill us. I saw a long haul in front of me, a very long haul. I said, we're looking for the assembly. I saw a sign that said Senate and had an arrow pointed to the right, but I was looking for the assembly and I hadn't seen any signs, so I walked on. As we walked down the hall, cameramen were running from our left and from our right, around Bobby and around Tucker, jumping in front of us, taking flicks and clicking flicks. Cameramen with movie cameras were shooting. That didn't make any difference. I just tightened up and squeezed the mandate I had rolled up and kept walking. I stopped and said, where in the hell is the assembly? Anybody in here know where you go in and, and observe the assembly making these laws? Nobody said anything. Then somebody hollered out, it's upstairs on the next floor. 
We went up to the second floor and started walking again. By this time, there were many cameramen in front of us, backing up, taking pictures of us walking down the hall. Movie cameramen, still cameramen, regular cameras. Bulbs were flashing all over the place. I got about midway down the hall when I saw a gate. I didn't relate to the gate at first, but I turned around and asked the reporter, could you please tell me where I go to observe the assembly making the laws? I want to go there. I want to see Mulford supposedly making this law against black people. That's what I was thinking to myself. I want to see this. So he said, straight down, sir. And I went ahead and saw this gate. As I was approaching the gate, when I was about five or six feet from it, this pig jumped out, the state pig, and said, where the hell are you going? I said, I'm going to observe the assembly. What about it? You can't come in here. What the hell you mean I can't come in here? You're going to deny me my constitutional right? Every citizen's got a right to observe the assembly. What's wrong with you? And while the conversation was going on, the reporters were vamping inside the gate. So many reporters were trying to get in there. They banned and knocked the pig all up against the wall, trying to get pictures. The only thing that was in front of me was the pig and just a little gate, swing gate, like a swinging door. But it was only about three feet high. When the reporters vamped all over the pig, he just moved out of the way and I just proceeded to move on. As I proceeded to move, the reporters always had a way for me to travel. I noticed the way to go was to the right, so I moved to the right. And as I moved to the right, I could see a kind of heavy set short man, about five foot six or five foot seven. As I approached a big door that was three or four times as tall as I was, he was opening the door. He was opening the door in a manner of, yes, sir, you sure can come in. Come right on in, sir. You have the gun. <laughs> That's what he was saying. You have the gun. Come in. And he opened the door in a very humble manner, like a servant, like a vassal. That's the way he opened the door. He was scared. I walked inside, and as I did, I saw a lot of what we call back seats. Back seats in a theater. Inside the assembly, I looked to the left, I looked to the right. I walked to my left. There was an aisle over there. Cameramen and reporters jumped all in front of me. Something funny about the cameramen and reporters getting up in that aisle to my left. A lot of them came in another door because I know they weren't in front of me when I hit that door. They must have come in another door. As I was walking to my left, I remember hearing the speaker, the assembly speaker saying, get those cameramen out of here. They're not supposed to be in here. As I got to the aisle, Eldridge Cleaver was there all of a sudden. Eldridge Cleaver was there, and Warren Tucker was halfway up the aisle with a 357 Magnum on his side. I glanced up, and I saw some so-called black representatives in the legislature who we refer to as Tom's sellouts and book lookers. They were looking at the man in front of me. Or I'm sorry. They were looking at the man as if to say, why did they have to come here? They hated us being there, these bootlickers. I looked at those bootlickers, those Uncle Toms, very intensely. I didn't care for them because they never represented us there. And this kind of humble shoulderedness and looking back, well, here they are, they're here, what are they doing here? Someone was saying, this is not where you're supposed to be. This is not where you're supposed to be. We're trying to decide whether to stay there on the floor of the assembly or go upstairs. We were trying to discuss that in a very short span of time, less than a minute. The next thing I know, a pig and Bobby Hutton passed behind my back. Bobby was cussing out the pig who had snatched his gun out of his hand. He had snuck up behind him and snatched his gun out of his hand. Bobby Hutton was cussing the pig back, what in the hell you got my gun for? Am I under arrest or something? 
Because if I'm not under arrest, you give me my gun back. He ain't said I was under arrest. And he was remembering very well what Huey had taught. Always ask if you're under arrest. And if you're not under arrest, then you stand on your constitutional rights. So I turned and ran up to the side of the pig and said, is this the man under, or is the man under arrest? What the hell are you taking his gun for? He said, you're not supposed to be in here. This is not where you're supposed to be. I asked him, is he under arrest? If he ain't under arrest, what the hell you got his gun for? Another pig walks up and hands the same pig a gun, which I recognized as the same gun which Mark Comfort had had, a 30 out 6 I walked out of those big doors, this pig, me, and Bobby. Bobby was on one side and I was on the other side. Bobby cussing the pig out, calling him all kinds of motherfuckers, and telling them to give him his gun back if he ain't under arrest. Just as we got to the elevator, the pig grabbed hold of my right shoulder. I kept asking him if I were under arrest. He pushed me, and when he pushed, I went into the elevator. I said, all right, we're under arrest, brothers. We must be under arrest. Come on in. Let's go. Because just before the pig grabbed me, he said I wasn't under arrest. So I think I accepted this kind of informal thing of him arresting us at this point. Then it flashed in my mind, the mandate, the message that Huey sent. I haven't read it. I got to read the message. I got to read the message. So nine or 10 of the brothers just crowded in the elevator with guns and some reporters got on that elevator too. We went down to the first floor and we went to the right into a little room with a counter. The room was about 10 feet long, six feet wide. All of a sudden I see these cameramen poking their cameras inside the doors. I said, yeah, the mandate, the message that Huey told me to read the message. Got to get the message over. So I pulled the message out and opened it up and I read the whole thing. In the background, Bobby Hutton was cussing the pigs out and telling them to give his gun back. You give me my gun back. You ain't placing me under arrest. You give me my gun back. You ain't placing me under arrest. That might have been mentioned three or four times. He called the pigs all kinds of motherfuckers, which even came on over the TV, I heard later on. At this point, after I finished reading the message, right at this point, a black pig walked in. A radio edit pig. A need. Thank you. As he was passing in front of me, I said, look, man, are we under arrest or not? And he says, no, you're not under arrest. Then damn it, I said, give these black brothers back their guns. At this point, he said, they're going to get their guns. I said, we'll give them back to them. And Bobby Hutton tore into them. Bastard, load my gun back up. You unloaded my gun. I've seen you unload. You unloaded my gun. Load it back up just like you had it and give me my gun back. I glanced over the counter there and they were doing something to the guns. The 30 out six and had and Bobby Hutton's pump shotgun. Next thing I knew, they had the guns back in their hands. I was looking at all these cameramen. They asked me some questions. Someone, somebody said to read it again, said he didn't catch it. I read the mandate again, right inside that little room. When I finished reading it, I figured it was time to go. So I said, let's go. We cut out and came out the door. Then some cameramen walked up to me and asked me to read the message once more. So I read it again. First, I was on the upper steps in front of the Capitol. I read it and then I got down to the lower steps and read the message still another time. I said, all right, brothers, let's go. At that time, I knew that what Huey P. Newton was saying about the colossal event had occurred. Because many, many cameramen were there. Many, many people had covered this event of black people walking into the Capitol and registering their grievance with a particular statement. 
a message. Executive mandate number one that Huey P. Newton had ordered me to take to the Capitol to use the mass media as a means of conveying the message to the American people and to the black people in particular. We walked out to the car and Brother Eldridge Cleaver came up behind me. Eldridge said, Brother, we did it. We did it, man. We put it over. I said, that's right, brother. We sure did. So, so I like, said, all right. I just want to like interject real quick here to like, can, do you think that they would, I'm sure that they twisted the narrative then, don't get me wrong, but like, do you think that they even would have focused on what they were saying or would they have just, you know, like focused from afar? Like, look at, look at these with guns in the Capitol. Right. Kind of makes you wonder, but I'm also wondering if they went live, because if they went live, then they wouldn't have had the opportunity to cut that how they wish in order to misconstrue the message. That's true. That's true. But how much was really live back in 1967? Right. I don't know. Me either. But, but I, would, I would imagine it's less than now. <laughs> A lot of um, news organizations wanted to be edgy back then, too. They weren't all bought up, you know what I mean? And That's true. Like, like, what is it? Five five people own all the news we have or something like that? Well, and that's why we'll never have a message like this on mainstream media, because they're all owned by, like, five guys. Yeah. All right. Who wouldn't want to carry this message? Because, well, I mean, they're this part of that oppressive. And by system. when I say that, I mean like a it movie really with does. like a Hollywood budget, but not a Hollywood producer. Like I, I myself right? can't believe this shit happened. Like they actually were able to walk in there with guns. Like their presence was probably like massive. Like in California. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. you know their presence happened. All those white lawmakers shaking in their fucking skin, dude. And they did this in California. Yeah. I mean, they scared old Ronnie, and that explains why he came back with gun control laws later. Well, I mean, eh. That dude was probably the devil. He very well might have been. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, that was all I wanted to say. Or at least his spawn. Sure. Woodrow Wilson <laughs> was good. also the devil. Yeah, or one of his spawn. Never know. <clears throat> Anywho, so I said, all right, brothers and sisters, let's go. Let's get out of this town. I remember telling everybody, the sisters and brothers cooked some chicken. The brothers were crowding up. Some of them were, like, were slightly behind us, and I said, let's go. We're going to go eat all this fried chicken that we got here because I'm hungry and it's hot in this town. It's hot, brother. So I went and got in my car and I looked back for those people who parked behind me. Of course it's the car hot door. when you're wearing boots and long pants and a leather jacket and a beret. <laughs> in California. Right. <laughs> you're going to be toasty. Uh, where was I? I, I opened the car door. And asked the people if they were ready to go. Let's go, they said. All right, brothers and sisters, let's go. I hollered. As I pulled out, I asked, where's everybody else? They're around the corner, somebody said. Some of them tried to park around the corner. So we drove around the corner. 
further on down a long, long block, I stopped and made sure that all of our people and all of our cars were in a line behind me. Warren Tucker, who was driving the second or third car, hollered to me, hey man, this car is hot. He was driving my 54 Chevy. It needs some water in it so we can cool it down. The engine was running hot because there was something wrong with the radiator. Later for that, I said, we're going outside of town. We'll eat that chicken and we'll get water later on. So I took off in the right-hand lane. Just before the corner, I noticed a sign, San Francisco, turn right. I stopped for the light and noticed a service station across the street. I debated in my mind. I decided that we'd go ahead and get the water. Instead of turning right, I waited until the green light came on and went straight across the street and turned up into the service station. The rest of the brothers and sisters rolled into the station and just sat there. It was very, very hot. It was burning up. I decided to take off my leather jacket, but to take off my jacket, I had to get out of the car. As I was opening the door, I looked up and saw a pig at the corner walking south on the sidewalk from his car. <coughs> he had his gun in his hand. I, I jumped out. I came on out of the car. I walked straight towards him. I stopped and he stopped. I said, now, wait a minute. I said, now, first thing you have to do is put that gun away. Put it back in that holster. If you want to make an arrest, you can make an arrest. But you better put that gun away. And the next thing I heard was brothers jacking rounds, jacking shells off into the chambers of their guns. When they saw the pig walking up with that gun, they started jacking rounds off. I said, put that gun away. I looked in dead cold eyes. He was a scared pig with his gun out. He took his gun after hearing all the rounds and telling and me telling him to put his gun back, he slid his gun back into his holster and kept his hands right off it, right on. Then I looked up and there was another pig who had walked up near, parked his motorcycle and jumped on his little radio. Can't remember what the hell he had on his radio, but he looked back at me. Did she? Oh, she's gone. Uh, we got a right. He said. I, I, I blooped out. I, I blooped out into the ether for a moment. My bad. <laughs> oh, you're back. Uh, yep, I'm back. It only, it only kicks me out for a second, and then I'm right back. But it's awkward. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> but I said. Maybe you do have a right to identification, but you just make sure you keep your damn guns in your holsters. The next I knew, other pigs were driving up. I heard something come over the radio that said, arrest them all on anything. Arrest them all on anything. That's what it said. Then he asked me where I had been. I said we'd been to the Capitol. Why? What about it? You know what he asked me? He said, what are you, a gun club? I said, no, we're the Black Panther Party. We're black people with guns. What about it? As I began to move away, I saw a lot of pigs coming up, plain clothes and jumping out of cars, cars in the middle of the streets, everything. I still wasn't disturbed by them at all. I was just walking. Some plain clothesmen came up. You got any identification? I said, yeah, I got identification. I saw a pig opening a door of one of the cars. I ran over to the car and said, keep your hands off. I turned around and two pigs were sneaking up behind Sherman Fort. Before I could say anything, big 
grabbed hold of both of his arms, and one of the pigs snatched his pistol out of its holster. And I said, is he under arrest? Yeah, he's under arrest. I said, take the arrest, Sherman. The pig asked me again about identification. I went to my back pocket to pull out my wallet, and when I did that, the pig almost simultaneously grabbed my arm, and another pig grabbed my left arm and said, you're arrested for carrying a concealed weapon. Then he snatched my gun out of the holster, holding my arms. They handcuffed me readily and began to move me to the car. They drove me to the Sacramento police station. As we came out of the elevator there, one pig grabbed the handcuffs and pushed them up real high, real high, so it hurt and pained. Is she gone again? She's back. It's suspenseful. It makes it, you know. (laughs) She's back again. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Oh, man. That's what the pig said. And my face hit that wall. The wall was very cool. It was a soothing cool. I was glad to lay my face against this cool wall. Thurman Fort was to my left. I looked over at him. What about it, brother? Ah, man, it's nothing, he said. It's all right. Yeah, I said, gonna be all right. He took me to a cell. I asked myself, did I fuck up? I didn't know. I was very tired. I got on the other side of the door, three or four feet away from it. And speak. Somebody was unlocking the cell. That hurt me. That hurt me. I said, God damn, Eldridge is arrested. I knew that was bad. Eldridge was on parole. I said, Eldridge isn't going to get out of jail. I felt so bad. I said, man, they got you arrested. You might have to go back to prison. Eldridge said, fuck it. It was worth it because we did it. Um, we usually try to keep these pieces about still 90. Hate. What? <laughs> I... Just blooping out into the ether and back again. Indeed. Um, well, I finished that section. That leaves us at okay. Sacramento Jail. Um, right on. And I think that it's probably about time to wrap it up. We've been trying to keep these pieces at about 90 minutes, and we're at 98. Right. And that next section is eight pages long, so we might as yeah. well save that for where we start the next one. So, bottom of page 96. Let's note that. I am going to put that in Slack, actually. Thank you. We lost the tunes. I don't know what just happened. I don't hear you. 
Okay, now I do. Huh. I just had a glitch. Okay, we good. Okay. I was confused as to what was going on. I had to rush out to let the dogs in and dump out that hot cocoa I made because it tasted like burnt plastic. That was weird. What's in that cocoa mix? I I don't know. It was something something wrong with the Keurig. Uh, Did something wrong. If um, if you need to use some, I do have the Keurig machine cleaner stuff to run through it and like descale it. That'd be great. That might help. That'd be great. Anyway, uh, thank all of you for joining us tonight. We'll be picking that back up at Sacramento Jail at the bottom of page 96 for part six next Thursday. Um, we're also going to be recording a Pullman Strike piece in the upcoming week. I would have liked to have released it today since today is Eugene Depp's day, but uh, that didn't happen. But keep your eyes out for it. In the future, we will have it up. It's an important piece of American history. Indeed. Anything else you guys want to plug or say or general thoughts about the material we read or anything? I want to check the comments. If, if magically anybody is listening to this that needs like some some voice acting work done, I actually do voices other than this horrible nasally Michigan accent that you hear. <laughs> I'm actually really good at it. I uh, I applied to do some some voice acting work on the uh the um there's a mod being made for skyrim where they're remaking oblivion it's called sky oblivion but yeah anyway all right ron uh well i'll, I'll give natalie's comment first she said uh white vinegar can also be used to scale if on a tight budget Ah, I have a ton right. of that. Um, Ron said, I got a different take on something you guys said earlier. My take is Biden was saying the equivalent of, hey, Vlad, nice oil business you've got going there. It'd be a shame. <laughs> It'd be a shame if someone started cyber fucking it and drying up all your money. You know, we could do that in the U.S. if uh, we wanted to, right? So maybe, damn it. So maybe... You should cut the shit before things get out of hand. Um, obviously, you guys didn't take it that way. You still seem to think that, or seem to want to believe the old Joe is senile route, our routine. I think he's got his shit together a lot more than you give him credit for. I mean, a lot more than we give him credit for isn't really saying a whole lot, so I would tend to agree with that. Hey, I mean, man. I don't personally think that might. he has. I don't personally think that he has dementia because I don't think that the signs 
uh, match up with dementia. I do think, however, that he's old as shit and has been out of touch since he wasn't old as shit. Right. And you might be honest something there, dude. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know. He could Listen, be being snide there. All I'm gonna say is, a couple of days ago, Russia did the largest naval drill that they've done in the Pacific since the Cold War, three to five hundred miles off the coast of Hawaii, and we scrambled F-22s. <clears throat> I will also say that I have a lot of experience with people suffering from sundowner syndrome. And listen, man, I really question whether he's all there or not. I, I know that I know that that's not it's not what? popular here, but I I really question how often he knows where he's actually at. No at offense G to him. At the G7 uh, meeting, he reintroduced the uh, president of South Africa after Boris introduced him. So... I mean, sometimes, sometimes he does... Sometimes he does seem on. Like, I'll, I'll give him that, but I mean... Sometimes people with Alzheimer's remember where the fuck they're at. They recently asked Putin uh, about his comment or one of his guys comment back in the early 2000s about that he could strike the United States within 30 minutes for, of a nuclear attack. Like, that's how fast it, you know. And they, they asked him about that and they said, you still believe that? He said, no, I think it would be faster. I believe that. They're I'll not also a, say like they're not a small power or anything. I do think I do think that maybe we should cut him a break a little bit. I mean, he has only been in office 120 days, and I'm sure that there was a lot to clean up after the um Cheeto in Chief left office. Well, yeah, but I mean, what has he really cleaned up? He's doing the same shit. He just talks nicer in front of a camera. Yeah, I know. Hey, man. His hey, handling man. of COVID is literally the same, but we're pretending that it's gone and we're stopping testing because Joe Biden is president. Hey, man. Hey, man. I got I got the grandpa voice and the, the calm hands. Did you guys see that video of him freaking out on a fucking uh, on a um, reporter? When, after he met with Trump? No. Uh, it was kind of funny. I'll send it to you in the group chat. I don't want to hold this up anymore. Uh, indeed. Anyway, I just wanted to, uh, you know, thank everybody for coming out and remind everybody the struggle that they were fighting for 50 fucking years ago California is still being fought in every state of this fucking country today. Right. Um, thank you for joining us on these dives, honestly. Um, I've been learning a lot through these and I'm, I, I, I can't say this enough. I'm so glad that we did a series rather than you know trying to slim all of this down to one piece it just wouldn't have fucking worked yeah dude for real and 
I mean, I I know that the Little Red Book has taken like a back burner or has been put on the back burner, but like I've said a few different times, this is so much easier for me to comprehend and and relate to. I don't. Yeah, relate to. That's the word I'm looking for. It's a lot closer to home. Indeed. Oh, fun fact before we leave. Um, <clears throat> moose can dive about 20 feet underwater, and a regular predator of the moose is the orca whale. Chew on that for a bit. Don's doing okay. Don's all right. Everything's fine here. Don't worry about me. I see I see the looks on your faces <laughs> as I scroll through. Oh, man. Um, so, anyway, uh, if you guys all want to join us back on Monday evening at the same time, we will be doing our weekly current event stream. Um, yeah. Watch out for our Plum and Strike piece. And, of course, follow our page. Um, you know. Be safe out there. Yeah, be safe out there. It's a crazy world out there. Nine people were shot in the West Valley today by a guy that was driving around shooting at people. What the fuck? Yeah. Did you see the... Have um, they released... I'll have to say. Have they released anything as far as motive? No. Uh, The guy's in custody. Um... Which apparently they found him in a routine traffic stop, which seems kind of bizarre. If there was witnesses yeah. that had video, it seems to me like they would have known what vehicle they were looking for, and it wouldn't have been a fluke like that. But either way, at least they got him. I'll have to send you guys the uh, the M Live link that I shared last night about the. Uh, I think it was like thirty people shooting off guns in the park in Grand Rapids. Like shooting up with the why? I the details seemed a little unclear to me. It read like it was a shootout, but nobody got like three people got hit. Was it cop shooting? Because I no, who the the hell's that inaccurate? I fuck, (laughs) I don't know, man. Was it fucking stormtroopers from Star Wars? Listen, I I. We only ever see them shoot at high-value targets, and you don't want to kill the high-value targets if Darth Vader wants them captured alive. That's all I'm saying. We can debate that on a different podcast. Oh, God. (laughs) For we are many after dark. Uh, Shit gets really weird. (laughs) Anyway, thank you all. We love you all. Be safe. Be safe. We will see you on Monday. I certainly hope. Peace. Good luck.
The recording has stopped. You said it hasn't. <laughs>